Just the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary. Well, hello, Miss April Callahan. How are we today in New York City? We are good. We are going maybe just a touch stir crazy this week. Um, But I actually feel very blessed because the building that I live in has a really lovely roof. Um, And yesterday it was like 66 degrees here. So a little stroll about the roof and a little fresh air. Does a girl a world of good. Just saying. How about you? I know. It really does a wonder just to get up and get out of the house. (laughs) Well, I think yesterday you told me it was snowing in New Mexico. Yeah, so we had 70 degrees uh, weather on Saturday um, and Sunday and then yesterday. Yeah, snowing all day. (laughs) (laughs) People have this misconception about New Mexico that because we're in the desert that we don't, uh, it doesn't snow here, but we actually have all four seasons and um, yeah, lots and lots of snow. So, and apparently you have winter during spring. Exactly. It always snows. It inevitably, it always snows either in April or May in New Mexico. So. Mm-hmm. You know, a little unexpected treat, but you know, things aren't to be expected these days. So, tis true. And <laughs> um, before we get started today, I want to give a special shout out to Josie. She wrote us and reminded me that she requested the FHM for last week on the peacock dress, and I had misplaced her email. So, Josie, thank you so much for writing us and letting us know. It was very nice to hear from you. And it's actually so nice to hear from all of you. Um, we really look forward to your messages and your emails. Um, and we love that you stay in touch. Yes, and please keep them coming. Um, Actually, the first thing that I'd like to talk about today on our Fashion History Now is an Instagram follow recommendation. And I happen to know that this person is actually a fan of the show as well. So um, the name of the Instagram account that you should run, don't walk for to follow is called What Alexis Wore. Do you know about this Instagram account, Cass? I do not. Oh, okay. Well, it is, quote, a chronological look into Dynasty's OG fashion hero, Alexis Carrington Colby, and basically it endeavors to show and document every single outfit that the character Alexis wore (laughs) on Dynasty. And it just just go. It is it's <laughs> the most delicious treat of your day. The count is run by Anya Georgievic. And Anya, if I butchered your last name, my apologies. And basically she started from episode one, season one, and is now all the way up to season seven, episode 24. So it is this fantastic documentation of over-the-top 1980s fashion. Um, And, Cass, the costume designer on the production at this time was actually Nolan Miller. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the fashion designer. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Don't hate me. I've never seen that show. (gasps) Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, you just sold it pretty well. (laughs) Basically, it was like, you know, it's, it's that very 70s, 80s evening soap opera drama. 
right? Oh. Think of it like Dallas, except Dynasty. Yeah. (laughs) That reminds me, too, of um, a fabulous Instagram account that I follow that's every outfit on Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. So I think they do the exact same thing. Although I don't think it's in chronological order, but they do share all of their favorite outfits and moments from Sex in the City. So if you're a fan of either of those shows, or maybe if you're not and you haven't seen them, you should definitely check out those shows and those Instagram accounts. Mm Mm-hmm. What else do you got today? Um, Well, I actually wanted to share an article. Two different people emailed us about an article on this Buckinghamshire couple in the UK. Valerie um, shared it most recently. This couple is dressing up in period costumes to go for their walks. Have you seen this article? (laughs) I have. (laughs) So Isabella Pitcher... Um, said the outfits normally used by reenactors needed quote-unquote airing, as of course many events have been canceled. And so she and her husband, Lucas, get dressed. I'm not sure if it's every day, but they certainly have quite a lot of images on their Instagram account. So she runs a costuming business, and I looked her up. Uh, It's high-quality historical attire bespoke or made to order. And she has this wealth of garments to choose from. So there's images of them from the medieval era um, to the 1880s bustle gowns and, uh, of course, bathing costumes. <laughs> well, maybe not, of course, bathing costumes. So can you imagine just being on your walk um, one day in the country and you come across a fully bustle gowned woman um, dressed head to toe in 19th century <laughs> attire. <laughs> so it's so much fun. I do live in New York, so stuff that people wear sometimes just doesn't surprise me anymore, but it does delight me. Yeah. (laughs) And so her company is called Prior Attire. Uh, She's been providing handmade, historically accurate clothing for reenactors, museums, and historical interpreters since 1999. And what is really fabulous about this, so of course, if you're not in her neighborhood and you don't get to enjoy this on the daily, she is posting it on her Instagram account, which is fabulous. It's Isabella, I-Z-A-B-E-L-A, Prior Attire. And she posts a quiz on her Instagram so you can join in on the fun to guess what era and what decade uh, her and her husband are wearing. And then the next day she posts uh, the answer and it comes with a little bit of a fashion history lesson, like the bathing costumes they wore. A lot of people, I guess, guess that they were Edwardian. Um, But she says, my bathing costume is actually based on an 1885 fashion plate from Harper's Bazaar. Men's bathing attire has a much wider range, started in early 1870s and remained in fashion for quite a few decades. Bit of our costumes were tested repeatedly in Brighton during our Victorian seaside parties. We bathed, swam, and had picnics in them. So, you know, check out her Instagram play along. She also has um, a blog, prioratire.co.uk, and so you can find more about her published works and even her YouTube channel. Cool. I didn't know about this quiz aspect. I'm in. I know. We love doing quizzes, too. We should should start doing more of those because it's always fun to to guess um, and to test the knowledge of all of our knowledgeable, dressed listeners. That's right. I have another rec. It's not an Instagram follow. It's a movie. Cass, have you seen Crimson Peak? I have not, but I'm very familiar with the costumes because okay. they're fabulous. <laughs> yes, and and as we all know, you are a huge fan of the Gigo sleeve, and you're going to get nothing if not a healthy helping <laughs> of Gigo <laughs> if you watch Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak is actually a 2015 gothic horror film, which was written and produced by the amazing director Guillermo del Toro. Anything he does. I know. Um, It stars Mia Wasikowska, 
Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston. So it is star packed. And I have to just give a little heads up warning. It is rated R. So when we say it's a gothic film, it's not necessarily like what you're thinking about in terms of a gothic novel. It is actually a horror film um, and it is quite gory. So perhaps not fair for the <laughs> kiddos. Um, but I loved it and it's amazing. And uh, the costume designer, Kate Holly, her costumes cast are incredible. Both the characters um, played by Mia and Jessica wear these insane gigo sleeves. Um, and a lot of Mia's costumes are actually done in that kind of like aesthetic liberty style. And the mm. textiles are super sumptuous and gorgeous. So if you are into this whole 1890s goth horror film, highly recommend Crimson Peak. Yeah, and the gown that I'm thinking of specifically is worn by Jessica Chastain, and it's like that. I think it's a bustle gown, so maybe it's a little bit earlier in the movie. But she wears that like red. I don't know if it's silk taffeta, but it's like the it has the biggest train you've ever seen, and it's the most sumptuous, bold color of red, and it's absolutely exquisite and to die for. It reminds me a lot of the costumes from uh, the film Bram Stoker's Dracula, which yeah. also had similar color palettes and aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so cool. It's a very sumptuous. It's very sensual. The whole style and look of the film, which is of course, you know, Del Toro's signature as well. Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives, but what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable mysteries? Because you can, by joining us in playing June's Journey. And April, I can't tell you how much fun I've had playing June's Journey. It's this <laughs> hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour and intrigue of the 1920s with this diverse cast of characters. And basically, each new scene takes you further into the story of a thrilling murder mystery that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. You will sleuth with June in the antique parlors of New York, the chic sidewalks of Paris, and you can even build your own luxury island estate where you get to decorate and plant decadent gardens. And there's also a chat and challenge feature where you can play alongside friends. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think think in that language, which is incredible, you learn by immersion. And their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. So you learn the proper accent from the very start. For a limited time, dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. 
So I wanted to ask you if you're familiar with all of these museum challenges that people are doing. I sure am. And what's really <laughs> funny is when we do our fashion history nows, Cass and I kind of like just jot down kind of what we're going to talk about, but we don't talk about it. So the Tess and Kunstin quarantine was on my list too. And I think that you wanted to talk about that. Not that one specifically, but I know that Met there's the Met twinning and Getty's Between Art and Quarantine. So those are hashtags. Uh, between Art and Quarantine is a hashtag. Met twinning is a hashtag. And the complicated word that April just said, and she will repeat as a hashtag. But these museum challenges are challenging their followers to, you know, recreate a painting from their museum or a photograph using found household objects. So one of my favorites that I saw is from the Met. And there's this, you could tell me what your favorites are. Maybe we'll go back and forth a little bit. But there's um, you know, the famed unicorn tapestries. Mm-hmm. And these people put a little cone on their pug, uh, you know, to mimic the unicorn and put it in the middle of a fence in their backyard. And it's just like <laughs> the cutest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and then there's like people who have, there's a lot of toilet paper, which is particularly apt in a commentary on our current times. Um, people are using p- toilet paper to create those like huge 16th and early 17th century roughs. I saw one where a lady c- used toilet paper and create an 18th century poof. <laughs> yeah. People are doing insane things with toilet paper. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And obviously there's a lot, um, a lot of these are historical paintings. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like refashioning of the clothes that are depicted. And there's a lot of drapery and and sheets that are happening, which is, which is pretty great. Oh yeah. I've also seen someone imitate a harp using a vacuum hose. (laughs) Like people are so creative, you know, and during this time, it's like, what is around me and how can I use it to, um, you know, kind of actually express your creativity. People are getting really, really creative. There's entire families that are, you know, recreating portraits, lots of Frida Kahlo's, lots of girl with the pearl earrings, but also Caravaggio, Picasso, people are painting their faces, Um, Renee Magritte, I even saw a woman who did The Last Supper by herself. I saw that one too. (laughs) Um, So uh, just a side note here. So you were talking about the hashtag between art and quarantine. Actually, that is the English translation of Tussin Kunst in Quarantine, um, which I believe is a Dutch site. And this is where this all actually started several weeks ago. And then the museums have actually joined on the bandwagon um, that was started by that original Instagram. Oh, good. And if you need some inspiration, because we are going to call on you to do your favorite piece of art, because why not? I'm certainly going to take the challenge. If our dress listeners take the challenge, what about you, April? Yeah, I've already picked out my painting. Oh, oh. and I just want to say that one of my other favorite ones, um, some of them don't involve uh, people or costumes at all. Some really adorable ones of people just taking objects that are in their house. And somebody recreated a whole bunch of the uh, Mark Rothko paintings just with like random objects in their house. Yeah. And all the still life paintings of food um, are like people are just having fun with it and getting really creative. And like I said, I challenge our listeners to do it. April already has a painting. I have a couple different ideas. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do, but you know, let's do it guys. And please tag us and share it with us. Um, If you need inspiration, check out all of those hashtags. We'll also put um, links or at least the hashtags into our um, summary for this episode so you can check it out yourself because, I mean, it's kind of a rabbit hole. There's like tens of thousands of people who've done it at this point. Yeah, for sure. 
I have two really quick little things. So um, lately I've been working on doing some research uh, for an upcoming episode that involves researching uniforms of a few different types. Um, But in the course of doing some of that primary course research, Cass, I came across the strangest reference in the Wall Street Journal from 1996 the other day, basically saying that the Chinese government hired French couturier Pierre Cardin to design uniforms for its public servants, including the army, railways, airline, and post office personnel. Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, what did I do? I, I was like, whoa, 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 I need to know more about this. And I could find basically next to nothing. I found a couple of quotes um, saying that apparently Cardian met with China's army officials back in 1994, and he sent them 20 designs to choose from for their army uniforms. But I haven't been able to, like, you know, pull this proverbial thread any further. So I'm I'm issuing a research challenge to our listeners. If you guys can find out more about this email us. I want to know more. So since we're all stuck at home, I think I thought that maybe I wasn't going to be the only one mucksing about in the dark recesses of the internet. So if you guys want to join in on this research hunt too, I thought it would be very fun. Yes, fabulous. Please, again, write to us, email us at dress to iheartmedia.com. You can also direct message us at Instagram. I mean, I think that does it for us today, April. Um, short and sweet, checking in with all our dress listeners, sending you all our love and a big thank you and appreciation to all of those um, essential workers out there who are making it every day possible for all of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Also, thank you to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each week. Please join us on Tuesday for our full-length episode, as always. And we will see you then. Bye. Dress, the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.